The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into the one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds in the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing, but at your command I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. They They came and filled both boats so that the boats were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of fish they had made seized him and all those with him. And likewise, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. When they brought their net brought their boats to the shore. They left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. God has created every single one of us to have a joy which many think we are not worthy to have and most think we are not able even to receive. Again, God created us to have a joy that many of us do not think that we are worthy to have and most of us don't even know that we can receive. The way by which we attain this joy is twofold. And we see it in the persons of the scriptures today. The first piece is the acknowledgement of our sins. The second is to trust in God. We see it in each of our readings, in the prophet Isaiah and St. Paul, as well as in the person of St. Peter. Isaiah comes and he's at the beginning of his mission. He recognizes that he finds himself in the midst of a heavenly vision. Surrounded by the angels who were singing, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. It should sound familiar to us. It's the reality of being brought up into the heavens. And he finds himself there and he immediately knows, I don't belong here. His response to this vision is, Woe to me, I am doomed. I am a man of unclean lips living in the midst of a people of unclean lips. It was the recognition that, as, as always in the Old Testament, when a person looked upon the face of God, they weren't expected to live. Because nothing, nothing impure can stand being in the presence of he who is purity itself. And so Isaiah knows, I've seen the Lord and I cannot stand it. I'm doomed. But an angel of the Lord comes to him and he takes an, uh, an ember 
a burning coal from the altar of God, and he places it to the lips of Isaiah. And he says, by this, your sins are purged. You are clean. A moment later, Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord crying out, Who can I send? And Isaiah, having repented of his sins, having recognized his own brokenness, turns to the Lord and says, Here I am. Send me. Send me. He doesn't know exactly what will lie down the line. He doesn't know what will be there. He doesn't know what it will hold for him. He doesn't know the sufferings or the joys that will be his. He simply says, Lord, here I am. Send me. Our second reading we have from St. Paul. He comes and he's writing to the community at Corinth. And he's explaining to them that, that indeed he comes with the power to teach. He gives them a little synopsis of the gospel. And he reminds them that he is also one of the apostles. He looks at them and he explains how he has taught, even though unworthy. And I'm waiting for the train horn. There it is. Okay. And he says, I am not worthy. I've come and I've proclaimed the gospel to you. I've proclaimed the good news to you, but I myself am the least of the apostles. I'm not even fit to be called an apostle. And yet, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I persecuted the church. I have no claim whatsoever, community of Corinth, to be standing here talking to you about Jesus. I have nothing to stand on on my own free will, on my, on my own choosing, my own merits, to say that I have a place among these apostles. And yet, God has given it to me. I am what I am. I don't deserve it, but in God's goodness, he has made it so. He essentially echoes the words of Isaiah, saying... I am not worthy to be here, but here I stand. Paul recognizes his sinfulness, and having brought it to the Lord, he then places trust in him, that whatever the Lord would do with him in the days to come would be the will of God, and it would be something that Paul himself would be able to endure, that he would be able to accomplish according to the grace of the Lord, and indeed he does. He goes on to say, I've, to- I've, I've toiled harder than all of these, the other apostles. And he says, but no, it's not really I who have toiled. It's Christ who has toiled in me. I have trusted in the Lord and he sent me out to do all of, these, all of these things, to travel to these places, to endure these sufferings, to encounter these joys, to bear the fruit of children in the spiritual life all across the lands. And all I did was place my trust in him and know that he was doing the work. And lastly, we have the person of Peter. Peter is a fisherman, as we know. He's a master fisherman. You don't just get by if you don't know how to fish. You don't have partners that know what they're doing, too, if you don't know how to fish. So Peter and his brothers, Peter and Andrew, presumably, but also James and John, this community of men are called to go fishing. And they come in and they've, they've worked a hard day. The, 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 the night is done. They fished and they caught 
nothing. And so after a long, hard night of working to labor to have zero fruits whatsoever, they're cleaning their nets. Get them ready for the next day. Maybe tomorrow we'll get, we'll get some rest today. Maybe tomorrow will be better luck. Maybe, maybe tomorrow will be good. And Jesus comes to open and he says, hey, Simon, let's take the boat and go out a little bit. It's a reasonable request. It really is. In that day, as, as Jesus said, that he went out and he began, he sat down, he began to teach the people. It was, it was a normal thing that if you were on the shore, you could go out a little ways and you could speak. And the, the voice would carry on the waters and you could reach a lot more people. It was basically like a, a God-given microphone. So Simon says, okay, that's reasonable. Let's go out. He puts his, you know, throws his nets in the boat. Jesus hops in and off they go. Jesus teaches for a while. And at the end of his teaching, Jesus says, let's go out into the deep water for a catch. This time, Peter doesn't say, that's reasonable. He's looking at Jesus, the carpenter, Peter, the fisherman, going, do you know how fishing works, Jesus? I mean, we, I, I kind of know what I'm doing here, and I tried real hard. We, we did everything we could possibly do, and there were no fish. And now at the, the time of the day when there's not supposed to be any fish, you're going to tell me we're going to have fish? But he trusts in him. He doesn't say, Lord, your request is reasonable. It makes sense. That is, that is perfectly sensible for me to take my nets and go out there and dirty them up again after we just finished cleaning them. He says, Lord, we worked all night. We caught nothing. But because you said so, I, because I trust you in your word, we'll go. And he goes out into the depths. Duke and altum is the Latin word, which interestingly also means the depths, also means the heights. <laughs> Go out into the depths of the ocean, the heights of the world, and cast the net. And they bring it in, and the net is bursting with fish. And not just one boat has caught fish, but two boats are full, almost to the point of sinking. And Peter, recognizing exactly what has taken place, he throws himself on the knees of Jesus and says, Lord, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Just as Isaiah, just as Paul, I am not worthy to be here. There is nothing that I have done to deserve this. And Jesus simply says, essentially, I know. You've been catching fish. Now you're going to go catch people. The net that you will cast will be the good news of the gospel. And many will be brought in to the feast of heaven. Many will come to know the joy of the Lord. Peter acknowledges his brokenness, his sinfulness. He trusts in the Lord. And he comes and he bears far more fruit than he ever did just on his own accord. What about us? Do we acknowledge our sins? Oftentimes in our world, in our, our self-defense barriers come up and we want to we try to, to show how good we are. To show that we, that we don't have a lot of faults. That, that we're not struggling with things. That's the social media way of the world today. You post only the beautiful stuff. We don't talk about the bad parts. 
But Jesus invites us, come show your wounds, and then you can be healed. Give me your sins, and I can take them from you. Give me your brokenness, and I can make it whole. It's first for us to acknowledge our sins, to see them within our own hearts, then to confess them to the Lord, to bring them to the sacrament of reconciliation, and give them to Christ, and let Christ have them. So often we tie a line to them so that later, whenever, we, whenever we're tired, we can try to pull them back. Come back to our sins. But the Lord invites us to give our sins to him and let them be. And then to go forth and to do the difficult thing, which is for us to trust in God. It's difficult for us to trust in God because God's ways are not our ways. Oftentimes the will of God seems foolishness. Case in point, the crucifixion. Who among us would have chosen the path of salvation for all humanity, for God to take flesh for us, and then to die on the cross in the most painful and humiliating of ways? None of us would have chosen that. And yet that's what Christ did for us. It was the Father's will for us. When we come to trust in the Lord, when we give the Lord the, the, the blank check that is our life that says, here I am, period. We never know what's going to happen after that. And this is why it's hard. Oftentimes it doesn't make sense to us. It's not reasonable. It's not sensible. Quite often involves suffering. But if we're willing to trust, if we're willing to go out and to cast our nets, which we just clean into the ocean that shouldn't have any fish, incredible things happen. If we're willing to suffer the things that the Lord gives to us, though we don't understand why, and even if we don't suffer well, if we embrace these things as, Lord, here I am, I trust in you. Something incredible will happen within us. To acknowledge our sins and to trust in the Lord is to have a joy that the world can never know. Is to have a joy that sinks deep into our bones. That despite even the worst of cases, there is still joy. There is still peace. Jesus wasn't happy on the cross. But I guarantee you he had joy because he knew what the cross meant. He knew that even in the difficulties of that moment, that the Father's will was being worked out in some way. And so also with us. Come to the Lord to give him our sins and to trust. When we do, we will have joy. We'll have a joy that most of us don't think we're worthy of. And that most all of us can never even imagine having. Oftentimes we think we're happy. And then it feels like we haven't even started the road of happiness. Once we find the joy of Christ. And the most incredible piece. Is that joy is as nothing. Compared with the joy that awaits us in heaven.
It says absolutely nothing compared to the peace that will be ours forever, unshakably, that will never cease at the banquet of our God. And please, God, that on that day that the Lord calls us to himself, he will look upon us, he will look upon us, and he will smile. He will know us, and he will welcome us. As we enter into the banquet hall of the heavenly feast, we will hear that beautiful hymn that we have heard echoed so many times in our life. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts.